Hi everyone, I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. Welcome to another round with Heaven and Tracy. Yay! Oh. Oh. First it was kind of suspenseful and I was like, are we in a detective <laughs> drama right now? I don't know, Tracy. I don't know. Hey, me either. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm dead. <laughs> well, your lipstick looks great. Oh my God, thank you. It You're is the prettiest mask corpse dead I've look. ever seen. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh my God, that is the highest compliment. <laughs> corpse looks, you know, servant. Corpse flow. <laughs> How you doing, Tracy? I'm good. Wait, remember when everything was a flow on Instagram? Yes, gym, gym flow. Gym flow. <laughs> church flow. Gotta be at work in 10 minutes flow. You know like, what flow. are you doing? <laughs> Oppression flow. <laughs> Shout out to Instagram. Shout out to Instagram. Oh, um, man. We have such a great show today. We do. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite things in the world. What's that? Food. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. I'm hype. You know how you just be eating food? You be like, bruh. <laughs> What? Yes. Remember two minutes ago when I wasn't eating food and what a bad decision that was? You know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Though. You see? <laughs> it was like, why did I do this earlier? So shout out to food. Shout out to food. Um, And to help us talk about food, we're going to be chit-chatting with the one and only Marcus Samuelson. Heaven, where might one know Marcus Samuelson from? So he has a famous restaurant called Red Rooster, uh-huh. which is located in Harlem. Yes. I have been exactly once, and that was with you. Yes. Yes, it was so much fun. Was it also your first time there too? Yes. Oh my god. There's always a line. Who's trying to go with a line? Come on. I had a lot of fun at Red Rooster. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't either. We were there for the gospel brunch. Oh, which I didn't even know was a thing. We were just there on Sunday. And yeah. It happened, you know, makes sense. I assumed it was going to be like brunch with like gospel playing in the background while mm. you eat. It was a whole <laughs> ass concert. Yes, it was so beautiful. It was, it, there was just like a bunch of teens singing like Negro spirituals and like like Broadway, New yes, York staples, yes. and they were just jumping in a in a hooting and a holler, and then I got to hoot and holler, and it was great. I really liked it. So he's the man behind Red Rooster. Also on Top Chef, season two. Which he won, mm-hmm. right? And he's all over the place. He just released a cookbook. If you need to make the macaroni and cheese at Red Rooster, he's like, here, here you go. It's not going to be as good as mine, but you can try. <laughs> Here's a little recipe. Try. And a little something, something. So we had a great time. After we had this great time, we invited Marcus Samuelson into the studio. Ended up making some drinks. Yeah. We made a drink called the Yes Chef. It was intense and hectic. I was, oh my God, I could never work in a chef at area no, situation. Oh, it was a just chef so area much, situation. We weren't even in a, a kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that thing the is kitchen, called. You know. Right, right. And we weren't even in a kitchen. We were in like a like a little. I know, just a little like video a little room. Hot closet turned into a video room. Right. And it was like I can't do this. I'm like, cut out. <laughs> yeah, chef. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I'll throw those in. Put the ice where? Where does the ice go? I was stressed. It was it was stressful, but um, we had a lot of fun making the drinks. We had a lot of fun having this conversation, and we can't wait to share it with you. But before we get into the interview, I would like to tell you having a story. Ooh. How about what happened was? Ooh. I'm in. I don't even know why I was thinking about this in the shower. Okay. So this is a story about militant baby Tracy and oh. all of her angst. And um, I, I was really annoying back then, but sometimes I came through. <laughs> I came through this particular time, right? Okay. So. That's so real. It's a mixed bag when you hear stories. You know. <laughs> what did I say? How did I say it? <laughs> All right. Go me. Right. Good job, me. Good job. Okay. So what happened was mm. um, I went to a super white school, small, private, liberal arts in Lexington, Kentucky, which is the worst place on earth. No shade to anybody who lives there. I can't remember how many black people were in the freshman class. But overall, I think there are about 20 black people on the whole campus. Mm. And that's out of 1,100 students. So it's small which unfortunately means that the number of black people was even smaller. Sure, sure. Um, so this became really difficult uh, during the month of February, known <laughs> also as Black History Month, right? My busiest month. <laughs> <laughs> I'm familiar. <laughs> the busiest month of every black person. In media. <laughs> in media, in a black space, at in a job life. where there are no other black people yet. Like, basically, it's up to you. The administration was like, gee, it would be nice if somebody would do the Black Step History Month program. Yeah. Uh, and so finally, the blacks were like, all right, fine. It's obvious that if we want some sort of celebration, we're going to have to do it like ourselves, like for Black History Month. So I get to think, and I think this was my either sophomore, this would have been sophomore year, I think, sophomore or junior, because mm. I could still fit my prom dress. This will come, this will enter into the story later. Oh, no, wait. Girl. 
So I think it was sophomore We're just year. The prom dress figure. What? Okay. Dun dun dun. <laughs> so um, the person who had typically done all of our programs had graduated, and so at the, the time, one block. the the other one was like, "Hey Bianca, hey girl, I'm thinking of you. Shout out to you." And I was like the second like writery poet esque sure. type person, so I was like, "All right, you know, like I'll I'll put a little something together. I'll do a little something." And so I wanted to do something that was like visual, but also like really informative. So I was like, <laughs> "Let's have a fashion show, right?" Whoa. I'm so excited. <laughs> Okay. Let's do a historical fashion show where we'll go through <laughs> oh, yes. the different like eras and talk about how like black resistance and like social change and justice often like was manifested or affected by the way that black people dressed, carried themselves. You know, you had expressions of black power and resistance in the seventies with the afros and dressing in black mm. and like in the fifties, you know, like when MLK and them were marching, you know, they were in like their Sunday best the like suits. suits. Yeah, you yeah. know, to show that they were like human and like worthy of being respected and not being assassinated on yeah exactly (laughs) not being assassinated so i really wanted someone to sing uh strange fruit by billy holiday right okay because i was like i'm gonna give you this work (laughs) we are gonna sit and listen to a song yeah okay about lynching like i was i told you i was kind of terrible so i was going in right but the problem was we had 20 black people on campus. Could any of them sing? <laughs> like sing strange two, fruit of all things. <laughs> like two of them could. But beyond that, like I'm sure we had more than 20 people in the show. So mm. first I tried to outsource some black oh, people. Oh, no. When that didn't work, I was like, okay, I'll do this part myself. So I put on my prom dress, put some fake gardenias in my hair, and I sang Strange Fruit in front of my school. What? It was crazy. I oh was terrified. God. I can only carry like half a tune in a bucket, so it wasn't yeah, like, you, you know. you can't even sing all crazy. <laughs> right? That's, like, how'd you do this that? This is important. <laughs> this is how desperate the situation was, right? Like, I had just like no black people at my disposal like if i would ever get up put my like (laughs) i wrote the shit right (laughs) right them notes what was i doing trying to serve my damn community Mm. so once i had outsourced myself i then had to outsource other black people right so i'm like contacting friends (laughs) so there were times where i was able to like make logical constructive switches you know i didn't have a billy holiday all right fine nobody's ever gonna see this anyway probably mm. nobody will ever even like show up on campus i'll do it fine but for like the actual modeling parts like mm. i just couldn't scrape together enough people to like actually be the models and i was like we don't have time to like send people to change and like all this other stuff also i was like i'm not getting paid we're not doing all this so i decided oh no <laughs> it's one of the greatest moments of my life i think <laughs> i decided that if I didn't organically have the resources that I needed for my production, for my magnum opus at mm. Transman University, I was just going to use what I had. And what I had was a bunch of white kids. And I had a bunch of white kids because my university didn't care enough to recruit people of color. So I was like, if things get a little awkward and uncomfortable. That's on you. That's on y'all. <laughs> that's on y'all. I did my best. So fashion show's going on. Everything's going well. So uh, it comes time to talk about the 70s, right? And the 70s was black power and afros and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. You, you already know the deal. Mm-hmm. You know the mm-hmm. story. So my models for this segment were two little white girls, right? Short. Sure. That's and, what we had. <laughs> <laughs> it was very important to me that black power be like the overarching theme of the 70s, right? And I really wanted, I wanted an afro. I wanted cornrows. So no. I'm like, I guess we got to get wigs, y'all. <laughs> you mean the white girls put on wigs? One of the white girls had a huge black afro wig. Yo! The other one had one of the worst, like, braided, uh, beaded blonde wig situations um, ever. It looked really bad. Like, I just came back from Jamaica. Yes. <laughs> yes. Entire head covered in, like, no. <laughs> Jamaica. <laughs> just, like, awful. But I was like, hey, that's all I got to work with. What do you want me to do? If you okay. want better quality, get some black people here. Um, but I, I didn't need to do this part, but I was like, fuck it. And so I wrote into the script, the line was something like, blah, 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 this um, era in American history was all about black people reserving the right to say it loud. (laughs) And then I had them put their fists in the air and yell, I'm black and I'm proud. (laughs) Tracy, yo, why are you setting up all these white folks? (laughs) Because fuck, what else am I going to do? I'm trying to educate my folks, my culture. I don't even have black people. I was like, not only am I going to have white people in these terrible wigs, I'm going to, like, 
Say the words. <laughs> yeah. I want you to like Say be uncomfortable <laughs> underneath the fact that these are not black people screaming I'm black and I'm proud mm. of you. You know, like mm. there's a message in here and I hope you got it. And I think they did because I Levels. did hear some people laugh. I heard one person <laughs> cackle. <laughs> that was like, yeah. that was me traveling back that in time. <laughs> <laughs> like what Tracy got these white folks doing? You black and you what? <laughs> you who now? Who and what? Uh, but I think it was one of my favorite like Oh my god. Tiny modes of like <laughs> resistance and revolution, right? Oh my god. Because it was so frustrating being in that space and having to like create something that like represents me and my culture and I don't even have the tools to mm. do it. You know what I mean? Sometimes you gotta make a statement. Sometimes that statement is, you're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This is happening because This of is you. all we got. Yeah, what what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We are super, super, super pumped to be talking to the one and only Marcus Samuelson. He is the owner of the wildly popular Red Rooster and Jenny's Restaurants in Harlem. If you live in New York, you already know all about it. You've probably been there a time or two. Um, He is the winner of Top Chef Masters Season 2, and he just released like his 800th book, I think. I believe so. That's it. You got it. (laughs) Uh, Red Rooster Harlem, the cookbook. Ladies and gentlemen, say hey to Marcus Samuelson. Hey. Thank you for having me. I am so, so pumped to be here. Oh my gosh. We're We're so excited excited. that you're here. Uh, So you grew up in Sweden. Yeah. What do you miss most about Sweden? Uh, I would say herring and outdoor, you know. Really? Because outdoor, when you grew up in Sweden, there's really no such thing. I mean, really no such things as bad weather. You know, mm. they. Wait, what you, do you mean? What's the weather like? They, it's cold, and we lived on the coast, so that sounds so bad. That sounds bad. <laughs> you go swimming all year round, although it's freezing. What? Uh, yeah, no, it's crazy, crazy. And uh, I grew up on an island too, so they mm. just throw you in the water, and you know, for a black person, that's challenging as is. Right. But that's uh, triggering. Yeah. And then herring, you know, because that was also related to my family. They were fishermen, so go out fishing with my uncle, with my drunk uncle. Hey. He would have been awesome on this podcast, by the way. Listen, we are There's always uncle looking when you need him. We're always looking for drunkles. Yeah. <laughs> Please pass them this yeah. way. Yeah. Good. So yeah, I think those two things. You know? mm-hmm. So is. Every time I talk about Sweden with somebody, they mention herring in particular. So mm. is herring like the official food of Sweden? It is. You That's know, a fish, right? Yeah. yeah. Herring, <laughs> and it's one of these fishes, you do, unless you grew up with it, uh-huh. it's hard to like. Okay. Is it like pic- really fishy? Yeah, it's fishy. It's pickles. Ugh. You know, Jewish culture and Swedes, that's for us. right? Okay. That, that, mm-hmm. And it's all about, actually, when Sweden was a really poor country, you have to pickle and preserve. So yeah. herring is one of those staple items that sort of survived all the modernity, all the cool stuff, all the, you know, Abbas and to Spotify, right. whatever. Herring still here. Mm. <laughs> you know. That was a journey that herring it was. <laughs> that was. That was a poem, kind yeah. of. It was a bit of a poem. So when I think of Sweden, I think of blonde-haired, blue-eyed white people. And yes. Like that's it. You Lots are, of them. You are not either of those things. Mm-hmm. You are quite evidently an Ethiopian man. Yeah. What was it like being black in Sweden? Oh, wow. You know, it's also the particular time when I was coming up with me and my family. We were definitely the black family. Mm-hmm. In the county, not in on the, the block, county. not in the neighborhood. Wow. There was one other Indian kid that was oh. adopted three schools away, mm. and we knew each other. <laughs> and like, oh, there's the other Indian kid. And, and <laughs> I just remember when there was a Finnish kid starting in our school. He was also blonde and blue-eyed, by the way. Mm-hmm. But it was a big deal. It's like, oh, there's a Finnish kid coming. Mm. We got diversity now. <laughs> yeah, we got diversity. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot. But it was also a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like my mom was very particular. We could not leave the house without our hair and clothing being impeccable. Perfect. Because we were that family. Mm-hmm. And you also, had to represent all of the other brown yes. people. And also my, you know, my parents being white, they sort of had to teach, they had to learn about black culture at the same time as we learned it. Right. Yeah. How did they do that? Uh, sometimes a good job, sometimes not. <laughs> <laughs> Ask my sisters about how their hair was treated. Oh, not oh so my good. Gosh. There was oh. a particular sound every Sunday night. There was like, ah! Oh. <laughs> 
and it was my mom reading like an old essence and sort of like trying to Aww. fix my sister's hair at the same time. She's like, I think I put the hair grease right here. Yeah, I did yeah, it right. Yeah. Oh, What's the problem? But it also put a valuation for essence and ebony. Like if any of my family went to London, because mm. that was sort of the closest connection to black people then, right? Mm. You could not come back without an ebony or an essence. <laughs> you cannot come back. Even if you have to pay like 80 pounds for it. You will bring us these you treasures bring, of the outside world. Exactly. <laughs> so that's how my mom sort of... Uh, uh-huh. And it was, you know, my dad, when he traveled a lot, he had to like go and find everything about our culture. And, and he could go to places like Dublin where maybe our culture wasn't that prominent. Yeah. And my mom's like... You're abroad? Mm-hmm. How come you didn't bring back anything about black people? <laughs> it's like, I was in Scotland. <laughs> Ain't no black people like yeah. that. <laughs> but they speak foreign. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It was a lot. Uh, so you speak very glowingly of your parents, and you made yeah. it a point to say that they introduced you to all your black heroes, like mm. Nina Simone, James Baldwin. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little more about them. Like, How did they go about just like infusing you with like this part of yourself? Yeah, I mean... Uh, being adopted, it, it just happens in so many different ways that, first of all, they were supposed to adopt a kid from Bolivia, from the other part of the world. Mm. They also wasn't ready to pick up two kids. Mm-hmm. So there's so many random acts that happens, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, shout out to the sister in in the hospital where, that saved us because she had three kids on her own and she took us in. Mm-hmm. And this and, is when you were in, in Ethiopia. Ethiopia. She took us in and just took extra, two extra kids in, although she was a single mother, had three kids already, mm. right, and said, they can stay with me until they get adopted, right? Mm. So we here because we've been blessed by so many people just doing good acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. And then the one thing that my parents taught, you know, we were around more than anything, we were around consistency and love. Mm. That, that was like bigger than, race was definitely in the room. Right. But, Consistency and love was one and two, mm-hmm. B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. You know? And, uh, you know, my, I, I feared my mom more than I feared the cops. Didn't I tell you not to touch nothing? Don't <laughs> yeah. look at nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot of that. Mm. Mm. Um, what did your childhood smell like? Ooh, smell that's as big. Mm-hmm. Because we grew up on the water, but we also grew up around the woods. So... Fragrance to me has that salty smell of the water, mm-hmm. and then going with my dad into the woods, and we had to pick mushrooms. We had to sort of look at lingonberries and blueberries. Mm-hmm. So fra- smells to me also reflects my first memory taste. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you pick lingonberries three weeks too early, they're just sour, uh-huh. right? And you learned that as a kid. That tart is like, mm. yeah. And so, being nature for me, it, it all evolves around nature. And I wouldn't be a chef without sort of have so much access to nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, are you saying that a lingonberry or some form of berry is the first thing you remember tasting? I would say lingonberry is probably the first. And then uh, we had, I mean, we had a lot of berries in our garden, but blueberries we had ourselves you know, wild strawberries and all of that stuff. And as a kid, you get so curious. So, you know, eating a wild strawberry in May in Sweden, it's just tiny, tart, green, white looking and not good. Uh (laughs) But then like six (laughs) weeks later, and it's red and not understanding that process. And Mm -hmm. it's like, wow, you know, and it was natural food. Way before it was organic, way Mm. before there was farmer's market. Right. (laughs) It was literally just growing outside in the backyard. Exactly. Man, that sounds awesome. Right? So I'm curious about, like, I love hearing people's, like, different idioms and, like, the sort of expressions of language that you carry f- from different yeah. different mm-hmm. languages. I'm still learning every English idiom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know any. So I found this Swedish saying in this book called The Illustrated Book of Sayings, Curious Expressions from Around the World by Ella Francis Sanders. It's just a bunch of collections of random expressions, idioms. Um, Ooh, idioms. Little illustrations to accompany them. So this one says, a Swedish phrase, yeah. and I want to know all about it, <laughs> sliding in on a shrimp sandwich. Are you familiar? Sliding in on a shrimp sandwich. So shrimp sandwich. <laughs> is that is a thing that people eat? <laughs> you didn't no, yeah. oh, oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've, never, about I've never shrimp heard of a shrimp sandwich. It's a big deal. Really? And it's peel and eat shrimps that it actually, it, they are right in the water outside where, where you, I've been on shrimp boats so many times, and the key is to, you boil the shrimp on the boat and they warm and the key is to eat them you know head on them and you peel uh, them on the boat and you eat them and they're so delicious warm right uh-huh. so what the Swedish shrimp sandwich is is 
small peeling of shrimps, a little bit of mayo, a little bit too much. I don't like that. Oh, I, like, I like a lot of and, I love dill. Okay. Dill and a little bit of lemon. And then maybe you get them on like on a French white baguette or something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Or like a nice toast. Okay. That is Everything. So a little bit of white wine and there's a party. Okay. Yeah. okay, but what does it mean to slide in someplace on a shrimp sandwich? I, you know, I've never heard that translation doesn't really, <laughs> really? make sense. Okay, so this book tells so how would you me... Say it in we got it. Yeah, can you read that for us, the Swedish? Glida in på räkmacka. Okay. So that's interesting, the way that translated, right? Ooh. So glida in på räkmacka is actually somebody that is privileged. Like, I would say... Donald Trump glided uh-huh. in on a shrimp, on a shrimp sandwich. sandwich. Okay. Like, mm. Papa set it up, uh-huh. and then obviously it's highly confused about real time what's happening. Right, and, and right. Highly not connected with realism. Oh, right? man, this is such and a then, read. And then thinking this is real because you say it, which right. doesn't mean it is, mm-hmm. right? Hello, Central Park Five. Hi. Uh, uh, and, and so... Just gliding in there, <laughs> yeah. you know. Just I'll set up fun. for you. Trust fund, mm. baby. So the, gliding the, in. The translation they give is being born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Yeah, mm. oh, I didn't know that. I missed that yeah. part. But you're like, trust fund babies were probably. Yeah. So yeah. Donald Something Trump. The three of us here in the room all clearly <laughs> know the so lot about it. I yeah, mean, so much. Uh, <laughs> the hobbish culture and everything. <laughs> this is great. This is my new insult for Donald Trump. That nigga rode in on a shrimp sandwich. <laughs> 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 Episode title. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to talk some about like this little side hustle that you have of being like a master chef, whatever you know. <laughs> the um, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, this little little you hobby, thing. cute little hobby. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am somebody who loves to eat, mm. but I don't consider myself a foodie because I feel like I don't like know enough it's or like an alienating right. we world take you, yeah. we take you off okay in. that's actually the majority of the world hey that's but the me. difference that you said you'd actually admit it uh-huh. oh <laughs> yeah. i know what i don't know a lot of foodies are like they love to eat uh-huh and they don't know how to cook but they think they know how to cook because uh-huh. like now on they can be part of it by just posting something on instagram right <laughs> so, oh my gosh my shrimp know, sandwich like, it's so good i like funny things i like you guys and dave Aww. Chappelle, but that doesn't mean you know, <laughs> I think I'm a comedian, right? Right. Those are two completely different things. Listen, I would never roll up in Red Roots talking about, give me a frying pan. I would never do that. <laughs> but, like, another thing that I don't know is, like, I'm not familiar with just, like, the process of, like, like raiding a restaurant. Like, you, mm. at the tender, tender age of 23, mm. were given a three-star rating by the New York Times? Yeah. What does that even mean? Youngest ever, all time. <laughs> okay. No, but what it, what it, what it, for, me, with the pot. For, for me, it meant that, you know, just being a black person, you know that you you shot. When I got the shot to become a chef, I was way too young to become a chef of that restaurant. But mm-hmm. also, the you know, the paranoid black man in me said, or my mom, she's like, they never ask you again. They'll never ask you again. <laughs> Can you give us a backup a little? Yeah, like, so, what was the context for so, this? Uh, I review? came to New York to work at Aquavit as you know, sous chef, which is right under the chef. Mm-hmm. And then he passed away. Mm. And my mom, I told, I was like, "Whoa, what's going to happen now?" So I ran it with the notion of someone's going to come in, and he's going to be mu- he or she's going to be much older than me. Someone's going to replace. Yeah, me. replace mm. me, and that was good because that's what I needed. Mm. And then one day they said, "Well, you're the chef," and you know, just the <laughs> paranoid. Like, my mom's like, "This is a setup. You're going to be fired." <laughs> they and send I, you up to fail. Yeah, setting me up to fail. And I was nervous because Aquavit, the restaurant, was it's a very famous restaurant. So I didn't want to be the person mm. to close it. <laughs> I was right. Crazy. But my dad's like. Listen, you know, you're not gonna. You, this is a chance. You're in New York City. If you do, if you have a great run, you can then jet and do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Which my mom's like, this is not good. This is a setup. My son's coming home. Paranoid. <laughs> Don't make me come but, over there. <laughs> but I also thought about how how often do we get chances? Right. Yeah. So all I have to do is work hard, which I was already doing. Mm-hmm. As I'm going for it, and I went for it, and. You know, I, at that point, I've been around great food since I was 17 or even it's almost like you be, you're like a gospel singer and your auntie sang all the time. You didn't know you were around good, good mm-hmm. music. My grandmother cooked everything organic. Everything was healthy. So I grew up with really good food. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I'd been studying in Japan and France and Switzerland and all that stuff. But the validation of it was probably a mix between grandma's cooking, mm. me training all these years, and then so I was maybe 33 in my experience, but 23 on paper. And, mm. you know, also as we do it, black people, we come to it. We never have a linear ride, right? Mm-hmm. And even if you're adopted, even if you didn't grow up here, 
the blackness doesn't go away. Great. You know what I mean? So still, this was that moment for me, mm. and I took it. I took mm-hmm. it. I <laughs> had to grab it. It was grab right there. Uh, that must have been some tremendous pressure, though, right? I felt pressure was more, what if I would never get a chance again? So, you know, yeah. pressure comes from different things. So for me, it was, you know, being yelled at in France, that was pressure. Mm. Or being, being in Japan and not understanding what the other person said, but yet you had to do right. it. That was pressure. This Wait, was, can we talk about that? That sounds That's giving me anxiety <laughs> just thinking no, about but it. but when you're in other countries, at that point, I'd been immigrant six times in seven years. Mm. So always being off with the language. So part of it was easier to be in New York because I could speak English. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the night I was off, I can go and see, like, Tommy Davidson down in the village or something right. like that. You know, I could be in the culture of New Word. York City or go uptown to Harlem. You so, still had that access to it. Yeah. It was harder for me to be in France, mm-hmm. being yelled at and screamed at, being, you know, in, in France or Switzerland. So just working hard and being in New York City? Mm. What? Mm-hmm. I'll take that chance. Word. Speaking of being yelled at, we heard that you had a run-in with a one Mr. Gordon Ramsay once upon a time. Mm. Um, we did hear about this. We yeah. heard. I love how we you heard. Like, only. A little bird told <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, would you like to tell us that story? And do you still, like, ever run into each other? Do you interact? No, I think, I mean, I think it's, you know, that moment... Uh, I was in England working, in London working, and... How old were you? I was, I was 28, 29. And just to get every year they elected mm. an American guy to be the chef that represent America. Mm. And I was elected that year. And it was Ooh. a really big year for me to go to London and do it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of these things that you kind of put behind you but it will never really go away so just for our listeners the thing that happened was mm-hmm. Mr. Ramsey we say this in real life yeah. but um, Mr. Ramsey felt like you didn't give him his proper respects mm. in some situations so yeah. he called you yelled yeah. at you and basically called you a black bastard mm-hmm. which is not a small thing yeah and I think it was you know, it's one of the things that I, I'll... We're opening Red Rooster in London in a couple of months. Oh. And I look at London with so much love and excitement and, you know, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. But I do remember that. Mm-hmm. And whether I'm close to that place, you know, if I run in the park or if I'm, you know, mm. going to a restaurant close by, I know exactly what time, what energy. Because I was so hyped and so excited. I was speaking to, you know, like the right people came to the room. And there just one incident just brought me down hard. Mm. And, um, but you know, I'm here and yeah. he's not, I'm here with you guys and he's not. Listen, so, I know, know that's right. You know? And so that made me wonder like how, because I mean like, especially in America, like every industry is fucking racist pretty mm-hmm. much. Right. Like how does race function and operate in the food oh, industry? I mean, food and race, it's, it's operates very closely. First of all, cooking has been an anonymous labor forever. Right. And now when it's right. a visible uh, uh, labor, we're almost checked out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that by itself makes it highly complex, part with our own doing. Because when our parents had the chance to send us to college, they said, hey, we don't want to be cooks. Yeah, I don't want you we to have to be scrub lawyer, pies like doctor, I did. What, yeah. You know, with more traditional mm-hmm. fields. Mm. So we didn't become a labor period in, in the United States until in the late 70s. So... Up until that point, you know, black people did a lot of the cooking, mm-hmm. of course, from the White House and down. But it wasn't pop part of pop culture, mm-hmm. right? Food has only been part of pop culture since really, like, Emeril brought it to food. I mean, Julia Childs and Shaq really brought it into PBS. Mm-hmm. But part of pop culture is probably the last 10 years, right? True. So how we fit into that hemisphere is very, very, very different. Mm. Um, you know, I remember just being here in the States, and every time I cooked somewhere, they're like, who's the chef? And, the, you know, the host was always so embarrassed because I'm like, I'm like I don't even see you right now because I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. But they're always embarrassed. And, and you know, I've been t- cooking at country clubs, major events, maybe you're doing Ooh. events, and like, they hand me the towel. Like, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm my gosh. So, but we oh, all, my gosh. But we all, as black people, we always We've been, all been around. With the towel. Been Listen. Around been around it so for me I don't think my experience are bigger than any other mm. but each time it happens yeah. it does and and so much what I do today is about how do you how do you turn that coin when that happens how do you become like an Elvin Ailey dancer and mm-hmm. really sharp and hit that perfectly how do you 
project your narrative mm. in a more precise way. So for me, all of it, end of the day, is inspirational. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have to. And like every day, you have to tell yourself, I'm the man, I'm the shit, mm-hmm. and this is the only way for you to compete in mm-hmm. this universe. You know, mm-hmm. I wish it wasn't, but it is. Yeah. So, you know. How do you think you learned to do that? Because I'm still learning how to do it, honestly. I, I think, I think, I, I, one of the things, I would grow up in, in a middle class society, but my parents came from poverty. Mm. And on top of that being black, my mom was always honest about this, mm. right? That, you know, beyond just work hard, do your best, they were very clear about that your shit, you're going to get blamed. Mm-hmm. Very clear. Mm-hmm. There was not a hush-hush conversation about yeah. that. <laughs> so my mom was very vocal about that. But my dad used to give me like, here's Malcolm's book. Uh-huh. Read that, get back to me. Homework. That mm. was my real homework. What's my talking? It was not the school homework. Like, mm-hmm. here's fella. He projected something different. Mm. What is that about? Like, mm-hmm. how could he do that out of Nigeria? This, blah, blah, blah. When people were doing pop songs at three minutes, fella was doing intros at eight minutes. He was like, nah, 25 <laughs> so, minutes. So what is Sit that back, about? Get comfortable. Like, so he always, you know, even to the point where you watch Michael and Prince, mm-hmm. just hitting perfection like that. You know, like thinking about it from that level and, and transcending... Well, I mean, if you think about music videos and then you watch Michael, like, mm-hmm. what, what is that? So I have to, like, think about, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, so I have to think about cooking was the same thing. People mm. ate all their life, but then I wanted to put, you know, seared, cured fish on top with maybe, like, you know, a sorbet made with buttermilk. Mm. You know, that's on a different, and they're adapting to black context, mm. right? So I'm like, I want to operate here. I didn't look at other restaurants. I looked at the street vendors. I looked at the park. I looked at Lenox Avenue on a Sunday. Mm. So you have to create your own narrative. And it takes a lot of arrogance yeah. and humility. I want to I wanna spend some time here for a second because one of the things that you've said, I can't remember which interview, was that a good restaurant in Harlem is not just a restaurant. It's a community. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, the word restaurant, which most people don't know, is it means to restore your community. I had no right? idea. Are you kidding me? And Did you just make it up? <laughs> and then how does that then happen? Can get a fact check. <laughs> and how, how does that then operate into our communities? That's mm. very different because if you think about restorative communities. So that means on Sunday, I should have gospel brunch, not because it's cool, mm-hmm. because the kids are out there singing gospel. They should come in and perform for us. Mm. So if I just operate it from a, if our windows need, if, if our windows need to be clean, I don't go downtown for that service. I get it to Johnny mm. down the street. If I want to serve jerk chicken, it better be as good as the jerk chicken you get in the park. <laughs> right. Otherwise, guess what? They're going to go know, to the park. Lashonda would check me. Because <laughs> she knows. So my reference point can't be Bobby Flay mm. in that context. It could be on other things. But once we're up, uptown, so we all know that our communities operate so different. Rather than being paranoid about that, how about study that shit instead? If, if there's a street vendor, that's why I always have a local pop-up in my mm-hmm. store, mm. right? And that jerk chicken should taste the way it does in the park. And guess what? We should be able to play Miles, Biggie, and Diana. All, and maybe at the same time, mixed yeah. in by the right Ooh. DJ. Yes. Now yeah. we have a restaurant that operates well in our community. Mm. That was beautiful. I know. Mm. I know. But it's, not, it's all about when we enter the world and we want to do something great. For me, I have to study... To bring our community closer, not shy away. Mm -hmm. And the cooking I did before that was we didn't exist. It was only reference from France, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, no, no, we do exist. And we're right here. And it's delicious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Run and tell that. Right. It was delicious. So we had a chance to go to the restaurant. We had the time of our lives. And it's so funny that you described it as a church service because I said the same exact thing. I had all the emotions. Yeah. Like the entire table was in tears at one point. I wasn't going to bring that up. but um, she's strong like that. I am. You know, feelings, emotions. What what are these things? Um, I love Harlem so much. And when I lived there, I, I loved being around that. Mm-hmm. But I was also, I remember especially on Sundays, I would see so many like European tourists mm-hmm. who would be like out and about with their cameras. And like yeah. obviously there's a lot of like uh, tourism in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah. a lot of dope shit in Harlem. But for stuff that's just like people going to church. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. felt a little like, well, I mean, were you mindful of the like, I don't know, there's a lot going on in Harlem right now and all yeah. over New York in terms of obviously like gentrification and yeah. tourism. And one of the things that struck me was 
uh, the clientele was mostly white when we were there that day. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, like, because working at having been in media, we know that, like, when you start a thing that people love and it grows, it becomes harder to, like, kind of, like, check and police. Mm-hmm. So the cultural tourism aspect about it, like, do you ever feel like people are coming to just, like, see what the Negroes are up to and see what they're well, doing? I mean, we've been, the one thing that is consistent through decades is, like, people's going to always look under the hood. There's Ooh. always going to be an interest of that and how we do it and why we do it. There's never been a time in the history when urban hasn't been cool, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the tour buses is obviously something I thought about a lot, but I also mm. thought about, well, I look at great food as a civil rights. Now, how do you create that mm. in a pop culture context? And that's what that's about. The tour buses, I thought about it a lot, but I thought, like, you know what? Let's create some context and content for them to come off and maybe also buy the newspaper from the deli next, next to me, right? So that's why the art, mm. the music, the food, and the hospitality, it's all one at mm-hmm. Rooster. It's not, we don't have stuff on the wall because it's, because it's popular. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those artists mm-hmm. is a window in to this very culture, right? The music that we play has not context just because it's the latest thing on the, whatever is happening. It, it speaks... So we're creating something that is in and of. And I felt now maybe you can go back two hours later on that tour bus informed. Mm-hmm. That must and will help all of us. I think I kind of saw this happen because I had got there a little bit early. So I was waiting downstairs at the hostess station or the host station at Jenny's downstairs. Mm-hmm. And there was a woman, <laughs> it was an older white woman who was looking for the bathroom. She came downstairs. She was like, do you know where the bathroom is? I was like, oh, no, ma'am. It's my first time here. Sorry. And then she came back down. She was like, okay, I'm looking for a picture of Miles Davis. Miles Ooh. Davis. And I was like, today's the day that she finds out who oh Miles Davis God. is because she has to pee. Yeah. Children I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. No, but and, and, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we, a third of our audience is, is Harlemite and a third is New Yorkers and a third are visitors and we have a way to sort of know that. Yeah, you attract a lot of international folks. Yeah, but you know, so it's it's my goal to open what's to become instant vintage, right? And you can't, there are so many landmarks, whether it's Sylvia's or Apollo or the Schomburg or the Studio Museum, so you can't just roll up and say, I want to be that. Yeah. You actually have to earn that, right? And our community will tell us very much so early. Listen, Boo, I know that's page. right. Yes, yes. <laughs> Literally, what happens at the Apollo? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or at Red Rooster. <laughs> or at Red Rooster. We've had many specials that got booed off the stage. What? <laughs> what? And then we learned. Yeah. And moved on. <laughs> How about we transition now? to um, a segment that we like to call Pew Pew Pew. Pew Pew Pew. Nice. So since you're an avid listener of the show, you know what it is, I mean. <laughs> All right. But this is our rapid fire question segment. Uh, the goal is always rapid fire. Sometimes mm. it's quick. You just, you know, yeah. do what's in your heart. Okay. We have to ask this question right now before you leave the premises. <laughs> mm. How do you feel about the candy, the alleged candy, Swedish fish? Not a not a big fan. Yes, yes. <laughs> Heaven loves them, and I, I love don't the understand. Face of frustration you yeah. just made. Yeah. <laughs> felt like no, a I'm up, right? It was the Swedish chef on the Muppet Show. No, that's not how we talk. I was going to ask about uh, that too. <laughs> you know, we don't all shop at IKEA or H and M. We could. We like them, and we don't all happen to listen to ABBA all the time. <laughs> Some of us yes. enjoy that. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> my favorite off-brand candy is Trader Joe's has a version of Swedish fish called Scandinavian Swimmers. Get out. <laughs> Clearly you don't want to pay Please. the full price and somewhere in the basement there's somebody stamping that out. Oh, I haven't man. done eat those anymore. Okay, I have okay. another semi-stereotypical question, and then this. Oh you know, man, semi. So what semi. Is that? <laughs> just so, a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little just, bit. Just a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, Swedish meatballs at IKEA. What are your thoughts? Because I happen to love them personally. But there is one thing in the word meatballs. It needs to be a real meat. Ooh. There's a real meat in there. Uh, we just don't know what him? it is. I've never met him. It's never... horse. <laughs> <laughs> It's a delicious pony. Yeah. You're right. You're Ooh. right. You're right. My bad. My bad. Ooh. Clearly, um, you're right, Chef. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Ikea. Listen, mm-hmm. I will eat all the meatballs and lingonberry sauce. Do you refrigerate your ketchup? Ooh. I, I, I don't. But ketchup is one of these things that it's so misunderstood. <laughs> I think, first of all, the word ketchup really comes from Indonesia. Uh, it comes, the whole idea is ketchup manis. That's where it comes from, which is a sweet and salty soy sauce. Ooh. And then in ketchup, there's also umami, 
right? This flavor note that you found in miso soup and all of these things. So ketchup, I put it not on too many things anymore, but I kind of love it. You know, if I watch a soccer game, <laughs> be it real, I mean, but it's one of these things that you always, I've always fallen in love with it, right? Mm. But maybe I would do it a different way. As a chef, you would think about, hmm, I wonder how lingonberry would work as a ketchup. Whoa. Yeah, there's not a lot of flavor ketchups, but Whoa. there's all these flavor mm. like mayos and stuff. Yeah. Whoa. But it comes, it <laughs> he comes, just blew heaven's mind. <laughs> I never yeah. even thought about a different ketchup. What if ketchup was different? <laughs> ketchup. What? Ketchup manis. That's working. I did not know Indonesia. that. Hmm. So, Heaven's pondering the existence Sorry. of ketchup. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Take your time. You take all the question. time you need. I'm in it. I'm in it now. Uh, so, you are a big fan of Bob Marley. Mm. If he were still with us and you oh. were going to cook for him, what would you make him? First of all, I, I just happened. We did. I did an event together with Ziggy Marley the other day. And oh. I never, I don't geek out on famous mm. people. But this, I, I'm like... This was hard for me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even Bob was Ziggy, but I was just like, <laughs> I can't, because Bob for me, it's like, it's Michael and Bob and Prince. So they were my, like, they, they are my confidence mm-hmm. on different levels. Like, I learned, Bob Marley was my first English teacher, you know? Like, mm-hmm. my mom, the very first record I've ever had is Uprising by Bob Marley. And she looked at me and said, this is what we're listening to, <laughs> which is coding for, this is what black people listen for. Right, right, and right. Like, and it's confusing when you're like, eight, and look at your mom. Like, oh, <laughs> okay. So wait, what would you cook for Bob Marley? Oh, I tell, I would do, of course, vegetarian food. Mm. You have to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Nice little, nice little, um, just like... Vegetarian stew, maybe Ethiopian food, because that's see, that's our card Ooh, of Bob, right? Yes. Bring him back home. Yes. So I know when like Ziggy, like when we met, and he knows that I'm Ethiopian. He's like the cool card came out. And I, I played it early. I felt on the whole. He's like, "What's up, cousin?" I'm, like, I'm Ethiopian. He's like, "I know, man. I know, man." And I was like, "Okay, it's gonna go well." Yes. It's a vegetarian. It would be definitely be chickpeas with a little bit of injera bread, Ooh. and then maybe some, some curd, curd, some potatoes, and then uh, yeah, no, it's all vegetarian. We'll go vegan. Mm. I think Ethiopian food is the only cuisine in which I could eat a vegetarian meal and feel full all the time. Yes. I don't believe in meals with no meat personally. It's just my brain doesn't. Oh no, no, Ethiopian yeah. is good. Indian, Ethiopian. I think I can get you there too. Good yeah. Indian yeah. meal too. Indian and mm. Ethiopian. Yeah. Okay. But vegetarian Ethiopian, it's like definitely a way to go. Definitely. Yeah. I imagine there's not a lot of barbers, black barbers, in all the places you've been to, traveled. Ooh. Can we talk about this? Yes. Don't set me up. You knew that. No, That's a set I'm just, up question. It's not a set up. <laughs> when, I lived, when I lived in Switzerland, Somebody got a finding story. that one black barber, I had to, it was like, it was like one hour on train ride that no. way, and then... The, the act An was hour. very quick. Of course. But like then the whole... A 10-minute mo- haircut. And this guy wasn't even black, but he liked Bobby Brown. Oh. And that's why I know you can do my hair. Because we can talk about stuff. Don't be cruel. Did he leave you with a high top with the part on the side? All of it. <laughs> what? Do you have a picture that we can I see? I could brought in the picture. Oh, my God, please send them. Means I have to come back. Yeah. Oops. Yes. Means I have you to must. Oops, you that. must come back. I believe there's one of you in a jerry curl as well. <gasps> All of it. Yes. But so... I was, was going to ask you, what's the worst haircut you've ever had? Oh, my God. That, that's what I'm <laughs> But on the right day when my sister did it, Ooh. it was good. It was fly. Ooh, juicy. Oh, juicy. Definitely. Wait, your, sis- your sister oh. gave you a jerry curl? My sister did ran ran my life. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't go out my house. No, that you could administer before. those at home. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't know you could administer those at home either. Oh, oh you, you can't. In Sweden, we're like. What else are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Ain't got nothing to do today. Give my brother Jerry Curl. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I was in Gothenburg the other day, and a friend of mine was there. And I said, and here's that one black hairdress store. Oh. And, I said, and it's been there for 35 years. Oh, bless wow. the And we stood out there and just looked at a shop. <laughs> and it wasn't like a male barbershop or a beauty. It was all combined. Uh-huh. Like, it was all Ethiopian, Somali, yeah, Kenyan yeah. women, like, weaving, doing the hair. Uh-huh. Black guys doing the hair, you know, their The stuff. only place you can get a do-rag for yeah, 30 miles. Like, all of it combined. <laughs> all of it combined. <laughs> Oh, the struggle. The struggle. Um, ooh. Do you think You're, Obama had a do-rag? Yes. Obama's somewhere in a do-rag like right a White now. White House do-rag. <laughs> right With now. the seal on it. Yes. <laughs> I hope he so. He looks so happy. Can we talk about the picture on the beach? Uh, Nicely tanned. It makes me And just look at him. He's like, 
I don't know. I told you. Just living his life. I told y'all. <laughs> it really is like when your ex moves on and he's just like happy. Yeah. Found Thriving, somebody else glowing. with good credit, yeah. you know, and you just at home like, <laughs> motherfucker. <Yeah. laughs> Why aren't you struggling more? <laughs> um, Heaven has a question about lasagna that I would yeah. really like to know the answer to. Ooh, that. do you have lasagna at Thanksgiving? I feel like that's Matt Abishaw, but Yeah, it is Abishaw to do that. We do we have Dora Wat. We do Dora Wat. We do Dora Wat. Mm. Uh, that's my favorite Ethiopian dish. Yes. Uh, and it's actually meat inlet, so you would like it. Oh, that's my favorite <laughs> as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. So I've not introduced Masanya, no. Yes. no, no, but we do other crazy stuff. We do have herring and meat and meatball, meatballs on that uh, okay. Thanksgiving menu. Herring, yeah. Thanksgiving. herring and meatballs like in the same like pot? No. Dish. Okay. Church and state. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, was, like, I was worried, but I didn't want to judge. I didn't want to judge. You're right. You're right. Uh-oh. You are right. Put some respect on my pot's name. <laughs> <laughs> I would never. You gotta like fix this up. Would you rather have gills or a beak? Beak. Because mm, you can use it as a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Y'all on the same page. See, I already knew because that was also my answer too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is aioli just gentrified mayo? <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> I might aioli. actually put that on the map. And I think G gentrified mayo might sell even better. <laughs> I love mayo. I think mayo gets right. a bad rep. I com- agree. But the aioli, if you're not a big mayo fan, aioli is actually a little bit better because it often starts with the base could be garlic or potato, so it sort of okay. have less fat in it. Potato? Yeah, but you can you can take I'm in, almonds. I'm in. You can take any anything that would keep it bind, right? So you mm-hmm. need less egg. You need less egg yolk on it. So I, I'm learning a lot. I'm walking away with lingonberries, <laughs> with herring and meatballs. You're welcome. I'm walking away with fake Swedish fish, You're fake news to the Swedish Listen. fish, and swimmers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning a lot. Do you? Are you the kind of person who has ice cream in the winter? I do have ice creams in the winter. That's and wrong. It, it does. Whoa. No. Whoa. I, uh, didn't I say that I grew up in the coldest country in the world, by the you way? Did. Okay. And you did. Okay, yeah. well, you get a pass. Yeah. You... Ice cream in the winter in January. No problem. Heaven, what's your excuse? Yeah. I it's just like ice cream. cream. I'm a fan. Oh, mm. okay. Crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Ooh. Crunch. Yes. Crunch. What? Crunch. Get out of here, Tracy. I'm gone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> really? Is there any food you've ever ate so much you had to, like, pause and be like, I need, I need a break? As a kid, probably burgers because we weren't oh. allowed. Like my my grandma was like, fish was every day. Right? Oh my so the gosh. one day, you know, the one thing that my my mom used, to, grandmother, and mom used to look at me it's like Levi's jeans. We can make that. <laughs> so sneakers was DIY. the one thing that they couldn't <laughs> fix. So I always freaked out on you know sneakers and all, all right. of that stuff. And they'll still have this thing. So burgers was the one thing that my grandmother couldn't really figure out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all right. Go on. Get out of here. Go get your little burger. Yeah, yeah. So I would say the same thing there. I love that. Yeah. Please come back every day. Mm, yes. You guys are the best. Uh, you are the best. You are the best. No, but no, you're really you. inspiring. Off camera, all of this stuff. Aww. You're really inspiring. I really you know? appreciate that. We feel There's so honored that you. There's two levels to this that are really, the hustle is incredible. Aww. And that's inspiring. Mm-hmm. And then. You know all about hustle. No, no, of course. Mm-hmm. And so that's inspiring. And then, like, figuring out how to cut through because it's so cluttered with everything. Uh-huh. You guys have done both. So. Aww. Thank you. you. I, hope, I hope this means that you will come back. I yes, will. regular comebacks. All right. Yeah. Where and can... also, then, you know, hopefully by, we'll you know, eat real time. I was wondering, are we going to eat real time and Listen. talk? Listen. No, I. You were the only thing that could make me travel from mm. Brooklyn to Harlem <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Yeah, okay, you know, so I will be back. Well, we're gonna do it live at Genius next time. Yeah, and we're gonna get drunk for real. Yes. <laughs> okay, you that. heard it here on the show. You cannot walk away from this now. No. It's forever and for real. Yes. Uh, Mark and Samuelson, you are a delight and a joy, and you make really great macaroni and cheese. I Thank appreciate you. you. Uh, where can people find you in your work on the internet? Marcus, We're off the internet. Yeah, Marcus Marcus Cooks. Everything is all there. Of course. Twitter, uh, Instagram. So, uh, Marcus Cooks is on Instagram and Twitter, and then obviously on uh, MarcusSamson.com. You can find all that other stuff. So. And all our right. latest of many books is called Red Rooster, the, yeah. cookbook, the cookbook, the hustle. Yes, it is a beautiful book. It is a cookbook, but also there's a lot in there. Yeah. yeah. No, it like starts with me getting robbed. That's how it starts. So and you start we get rooted in Harlem. Yeah. No, but no. Though my point is, I did. Robbed in Harlem, I got robbed True. in Midtown. True. See, so don't fuck with Midtown. That's just saying, like, boom. <laughs> Nobody just fuck with Midtown. It does. It does. Boom. But they only be talking about Harlem, like, yes, it's like the worst yes, place. Yes. Mm. Paranoid to the bone. <laughs> you gotta teach the baby. Yes. You gotta tell them. <laughs> thank you Marcus, so much. Marcus, thank you so, oh God, so, you so much.
Um, Tracy McGee, it's time to buy some rounds. <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. Now, can't you just see me on stage in yes. my prom dress? Yes. Going, rounds. <laughs> Is that what you sang for them? Yeah. <laughs> Strange for rounds. <laughs> So, Tracy McGee, I would like to buy a round for you, like, yet again. Like, this is, like, the fifth time. <laughs> oh, my, this is getting in birth. So, Tracy does this thing called Just One Thing, Aww. which I think about all the time. Do you really? I don't think about it as much as I should. So, Tracy be tweeting random stuff that'd be life-changing, and she don't even think about it. You <laughs> I mean, know. You know. Light work. Light work. So, Just One Thing is just literally there's this one thing you need to do today. And it has been looming over your head, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you're anxious about it and avoiding it. Mm-hmm. But once you do your just one thing, like, you got to celebrate. Oh, my gosh. It's the best feeling. How did it start? I was freaking out one day. <laughs> That's how all my ideas start. Sounds, I was freaking sounds out one about day. Right. Um, I get really, really bad uh, task paralysis. And mm. when I say task paralysis, it's like you have so much stuff to do that you just can't do any of it. Mm-hmm. And I get really bad task paralysis when my to-do list piles up. And my to-do list piles up. When I get anxious, and I get anxious whenever my eyes are open. Okay, so, <laughs> Being alive. so that means I'm always paralyzed, just mm. like can't do anything. And then like my, you know, I still have shit to do. You know, my to do list keeps getting longer and longer and longer. And I'm just sitting on the couch, like I just can't pick up this t-shirt in the corner right now i just cannot do it I right it could be it. anything from like laundry to like emailing yeah. someone to, like, or like going to your rental mm, it could be literally anything when you're, yeah yeah when you're anxious when you're depressed everything is a mountain that you have to climb word no matter what it actually is so the way that i get myself out of this task paralysis rut sometimes it works it usually works not always is i take my to-do list right And I take the first thing that's on the list Mm -hmm. and I take another list and I put that one thing from that list onto the new list. And that's my new to-do list. And I'm like, this is all I have to do today. Mm. Because a lot of times, like, the thing that, like, paralyzes me is just, like, once I finish this thing, I got to do this thing. I got to do this thing. And then it doesn't become, like, pick your shirt up off the floor. It becomes do this entire list of things before the sun sets. Right. And then my brain is like, you You thought. thought. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) So the idea behind just one thing is like that's the only your to do list is only one thing, just one item. And Mm -hmm. once you like however like much hyping yourself up you have to do to do the one thing, just like commit to doing it. Commit to being uncomfortable, commit to hating every minute of picking that shirt off the floor. Yep. But just commit to doing it. And then once it's done, you celebrate. I don't care what that celebration looks like. It could be I mean like obviously if it's if you like pick up a shirt, maybe don't fly to Italy. Like make it, you know (laughs) proportional celebration. Proportional, yes. (laughs) But like maybe it's like I'm gonna order dinner tonight instead of cooking dinner or I'm gonna go get a new lipstick tomorrow or I'm gonna just like dance around in my drawers is how I really enjoy celebrating. (laughs) But I really think that the sensation, like once you get to the feeling of having done the thing mm-hmm. and like the relief that courses through your body, you can remember it more if you celebrate it. Absolutely. And I feel like self-care has be- become a thing that's like popular to talk about, which is dope. Mm-hmm. That's rare. Mm-hmm. Like as a culture that we're reflecting on how we're caring about ourselves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's dope. But sometimes it gets too like... You know, like capitalism consumes it and it's just like buy stuff or yeah. go to a spa. You deserve self-care. Yeah. Come to the Bahamas. And it's like, right. that's not quite it. Yeah, it's not. So sometimes taking care of yourself means doing that one thing that makes you really uncomfortable. Ooh. It's not going to bring you any joy. It does yes. not bring any of the, the pleasures of capitalism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just get to breathe a little bit easier. Yes. Once and, and then once you do the one thing. Too. Yeah. Once you do the one thing, you're like. Okay, maybe I can do another thing because that one thing that oh, I thought would yes. take hours actually took 12 minutes. And you be getting so mad. Yeah, like <laughs> I've been riding from this for a Yo. month and I just could have done the shit and got it out of the way. Clearly I self-identify. Yeah. It's bringing a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yo, I could have not spent a week worrying about for this. Real. Anyways, so I'm a fan of Tracy's Just One Thing. Oh, oh, I wrote an article about it once on BuzzFeed.com. We should ooh, put it in the newsletter. Ooh. We'll do that. Just do your one thing. Anyways, I really, Tracy, you... I never know how to say this word. You you buoy me. <laughs> <laughs> you keep me afloat. Buoy. That's a buoy. good word. You know, it's like a sea of shit. I'm like, what is keeping me afloat? Oh, there's Tracy telling me just one thing. So I, I fucks with you. Round for Tracy. I will accept this round. <laughs> um, Who are you buying around for, Tracy? I'm buying around for furniture. 
Does that mean you have some? It means that I'm in the process of acquiring <laughs> oh my much goodness. furniture. I'm so excited. Why are we celebrating furniture? So <laughs> I've been living like a bachelor pretty much since I moved to New York City. Oh. It's kind of a long story, but all of my furniture is still in Kentucky. Heaven silently shaking her head. She did. Like, <laughs> I saw it happen. Um, and so, so I move up. I get a six-month apartment. Fully furnished. I don't need my stuff. I go to another temporary place. I go to another temporary place. Blah, 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 blah. Like All my York. stuff. Is good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of temporary places. Living in this. I've had like four or five apartments. Yo, I've been here for three years. You ain't years. been here that long. Right? Yeah. Like, what the, what the <laughs> that hell? That sounds accurate. I know. So, I'm finally in an apartment that I like mm. and I can see myself in until they raise the rent too much and I have to Sure, go. sure. Eventually. Um, eventually. <laughs> it's coming. But, you know, and I was like, I want a house that feels like a home. You know, mm-hmm. like I want something that feels like somebody lives there long term. Because like all I had was a bookshelf and a bed and like a dresser. The cheapest coffee and side table at Ikea. <laughs> What's up, Lack? I see you. Yes, everybody know about that, Lack. <laughs> everybody knows about it. And like an ottoman and that's it. Like I couldn't invite people over and like have, an, or I could, I just had to be like, okay, so two people can come in. <laughs> and finally I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I want to be an adult. I want to have like, a rug and mm. like shit on the walls and like just like furniture, like nice, cozy, comfy furniture and not stuff that's just functional. Yeah. So I've been saving money to take a vacation someplace. Mm. And then I was like, you know what? I, because I travel so much for work and I was like, what if I just set my black ass down for a little while? And then I was like, what about what life if, flex? You know? <laughs> and then I was like, while I sit here, what if I like tried to turn this place into something? And Ooh. I think it's turning into something. Oh, Tracy, I'm so proud of you. Me too. I have no idea what I'm doing. But I'm at least trying. It took you so long to admit to me that you were, what was the word you used to describe New York that wasn't like hatred? <laughs> I don't remember I this ever happening. maybe. I don't remember this conversation ever recall. taking place. <laughs> don't know her. Uh, <laughs> so I'm excited to see you putting out actual furniture roots. Yeah. Like imagine when I have like a place to live in that I love. I know. It's going to be so nice. Aww. And like I already feel like different. Like I slept on the couch last night Ooh, and I had like this I love glass. a good couch sleep. Love it. Love it. I'm about to get some curtains. Okay. Yeah. When you got curtains, <laughs> wall you art, and a rug. That's how you know you live someplace. <laughs> so I'm upgrading my life from bachelor to whatever's above that, but still Sustaining lonely. human. <laughs> okay. Yes, that. Uh, and I'm excited. So shout out to Furniture. Aw, Tracy, I'm proud of you. Please. I'm proud of me too because it's been way too long. Shout out to your furniture. Thanks. You should come and sit on it sometimes. I still only have a couch to sit on, but I love a good couch. Yay. Heaven, we did it. We made it. We did it. We made it. Um, uh, shout out to Marcus Samuelson for coming through and giving us delicious chicken. Oh my God. It was so. Good. <laughs> yes, I just was. had to reflect on it. Excellent. <laughs> you can find Marcus Samuelson on the Twitters at Marcus Cooks, and check out the Red Rooster Cookbook. If you make some of the food and you're in New York City, <laughs> let me have some. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just want some chicken. If somebody else can like replicate it, it would be all great. right. All right. Shout out to the Pod Squad. Pod Squad. This episode was produced by Nina Patak and Julia Ferlin with, edit- blah, 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 with editorial oversight from Eleanor Kagan and Meg Kramer. And tons and tons and tons, metric tons even, if you will, <laughs> of superior production support from Agari Neshashagre and Alex Laughlin, who recently joined the team. Hey, girl, we're so glad to have you here. Hey. Y'all are the greatest and the cutest. They're just so adorable. Facts, facts, and facts. Shout outs to our in-house musicians, Miss Jean Gray. You can follow her on Twitter at Jean Greasy and Don Will of the rap group Tanya Morgan. You can follow him at Don Will. You can follow Heaven at Heaven Rants. That's Heaven like the place in the sky and Rants like the thing that y'all little president is probably doing right now <laughs> over something stupid. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and all the things at Brokey McPoverty. I don't know. I'm between that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Email us, tweet us, etc. at another round facebook another round twitter another round email another round at buzzfeed.com mm-hmm. and you can rate us on itunes tell a friend mm-hmm. word of mouth is the best way to spread podcasts yes, obviously indeed. you want to spread joy amongst your friends and family and loved ones yeah don't keep all the joy to yourself yeah uh, don't be greedy that does rude you know sure it's a renewable resource but still <laughs> subscribe to the newsletter the newsletter is so good it's so good and it's so fun you can do that at buzzfeed.com slash another round slash newsletter drink some water take your meds call your person Ooh, ooh, 
exfoliate. Ooh. Listen, make you a body scrub, fam. Make you? Make you a brown sugar body scrub. What? Yes. I will make you some. Do you have a recipe? I have a recipe. Perhaps you can drop it in the news. Perhaps I might. (laughs) I'm intrigued. Uh it's you I just feel different when I know that my body is moisturized. Okay. Yes. It's just like, listen, I might be behind on a bill. Probably got seven (laughs) things to do at work, but my collarbone (laughs) is gonna pick up that light and just bounce it. Yes. You know? Oh my god, I love that, Tracy. Um Shea butter. Get you some shea butter. Mm. Get you some shea butter, like some raw shea butter. Mm -hmm. Mix it with a little bit of coconut oil so it's easy to spread. And as soon as you get out the shower, just slather. Just just grease it up. I learned all my like beauty and hair care stuff from you. So please inform the people and (laughs) me in addition and as well. Shea butter (laughs) and brown sugar body scrub. Ooh. Do it. You're You're welcome. You're welcome. And you deserve it. And thank you. And bye. (laughs) Bye.